Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer. This is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. It is Gamescom week, and while I am not out in Germany, we do have some news to go over coming out of that event. As Jeff Keighley hosted his annual opening night live stream on Tuesday, so we're going to cover anything Nintendo-related coming out of that. Then in the main segment, I will be giving my hands-on impressions of Persona 5 Tactica, Mortal Kombat 1, plus a couple of other games. Joining me for all of that is Game Informer's Wesley LeBlanc. Wes, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm not in Germany for Gamescom, but I'm thinking about going to my local Home Depot to get a uh, bratwurst from the sausage truck. That That's never a bad call. I mean, just make sure you get some <laughs> curry because that's that's the trademark uh, Gamescom dish, the currywurst. Oh, so really? I've like never heard of that. That sounds Bratwurst, I think French fries around it, and then a, a curry that's just like poured over top of it. Oh, it's God, phenomenal. That incredible. I, yeah. When I went to Gamescom the first time, I ate so much of it because there was a currywurst vendor right outside of my hotel. So like they would just be out there from like 11 a.m. until like 9 p.m. Yeah. And I ate it at least once every day for like the first four days. And then I was just like so sick of it. <laughs> I was like, I can't even think about currywurst without like getting a little tummy ache. So, That's awesome. I love that. Uh, but now, you know, four years have passed. So if I was out there, you, you bet your you know what, that I would be <laughs> just gorging on currywurst again. So yeah. we are uh, Gamescom week. You know, we're kind of in the the before times of this massive rush of games that are going to be coming out. But we're kind of, you know, every time Gamescom rolls around, we get this like almost like mini E3, right? Where it's like yeah. we get some announcements. It's usually not as big of announcements as like E3 or Summer Game Fest has been in recent years. But we get some stuff, and we're going to talk about some of that right here on this episode. So I guess the probably the biggest announcement that pertains to Nintendo fans anyway, Bandai Namco announced Little Nightmares 3. So yeah. do you have any affinity for these, uh, these games? I've never played yeah. a Little Nightmares game, actually. I loved the first one, and I own the second. I just haven't played it. Um, but like the first one is phenomenal, and I've only heard better things about the second one, so... Um, I'm definitely going to play through it and in time for three. I know Jeff Cork, who reviewed it for us, absolutely loved Little Nightmares 2. He was like, yeah, everybody is sleeping on this game. Like whenever that game came out, because it came out two and a half years ago. So it's been two and a half yeah. years since that game came out between you know then and now when we get the announcement of Little Nightmares 3. Uh, he was like, everybody's sleeping on this game. It's not going to get any flowers at the end of the year that it deserves. And you know, sure enough, it, I don't think it landed on our top 10, but like, I think it landed on Jeff Cork's top 10 for that year. But, you know, it has an 82 on Metacritic, Little Nightmares 2 does. And it's so that's a pretty respectable score. Yeah. And this one is actually developed by the Until Dawn developer, Supermassive Games. Yeah, With, very strange. Um, I don't know. Not strange. I mean, they're a great developer. Unexpected. Yeah. Um, although I was doing some research about this game uh, earlier this week and... Uh, Super massive, strange announcement, but they actually did the enhanced edition for Little Nightmares 2 on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. Oh, really? So I, I missed that. Yeah, there's some lineage there. Um, huh. But still, I mean, but that's like a port. You know, it's just like enhancing a game that already exists. They didn't develop it. So them to like take over the reins is interesting. And, uh, you know, Supermassive is very much like they do their own IP. So it's cool and interesting to see them take over something for Bandai Namco. Yeah, especially since like some of their stuff has been so good, like the Until Dawn. I mean, that's that's the gold standard. Yeah, but what's the, the uh, what's the one that came out like a year ago or so? Um, yeah, the, the Quarry. The Quarry. Yeah, I heard that was pretty yes. good. I've never gotten into it, but like it 
it seems like it's just like the actual successor to uh, Until Dawn. And yeah, you know they know much. how to do like atmospheric horror and everything. And based on what I saw, I saw a gameplay demo of it. And it was like a 25 minute gameplay demo that I got to see. And basically, you know, it's a co-op game. It can be played online with a friend or with an AI partner if you want to just play it single player. And they can like gesture to one another and like, you know, you can say like, you know, come here or like point at something. And the characters are alone and low and they're going through a level called the Necropolis and they have to solve a bunch of puzzles using their different weapons. One has a wrench and they can use that to like knock down walls or like hit downed enemies. And the other one has a bow that they can shoot up and like hit items that fall down or like, you know, shoot ropes that are holding platforms and have them fall down. And, uh, they end up getting stalked by this giant called Monster Baby, which is a very funny oh, name. No. Yeah. Um, and it has a stone gaze. So like if it if it looks in the room and you're there, like it can turn you into a statue basically. But it also keeps like mm. bringing its hand into the room and like those types of, of levels. Um, but it, it seems like it's going to be a pretty fun, like kind of puzzle platformer. And it looks every bit as creepy as the other games of the series. So it's... yeah scheduled to come to switch plus every other major platform next year. So that's one to kind of keep your eyes out. I would say that was one of the bigger announcements. We got a lot of like, yeah, kind of puffery announcements like, Oh, Starfield. It's like, yeah, live action trailer. Yeah. yeah, Live action trailer performance by the composer. But like it, uh, it it wasn't like the groundbreaking uh, earth shattering announcements that we sometimes get at summer game fest, like mortal Kombat. They had a really cool trailer. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But, uh, you know, just nothing that really shook everything. This was like one of the true game announcements that came out of that. Yeah. I mean, Keeley, like to his in his defense, he did like put online before the event, like, hey, we're not doing a ton of reveals. This is going to be updates on games you already know about. And it very much was just updates, like release dates, new trailers and stuff. But yeah, Little Nightmares 3 was like probably the maybe one of the only and definitely the biggest like full on reveal. Like we had no idea it was coming. And um yeah, one of the more, probably the only announcement I really popped for, to be honest. Yeah. Um, talking about updates to games that we already knew about, we have talked ad nauseum about Sonic Superstars, and that was one of the games that we got another big update for. They showed off Battle Mode, which I did not get a chance to play when we did our cover story. I did see it in the menu, and I'm like, huh, Battle Mode, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. we already know there's the co-op multiplayer, right? And the Battle Mode, it just shows like a bunch of, like, uh, characters running around and like attacking each other. And I think there's like a race component to one of it as well. But the big news is that we finally have a release date. It's coming to switch plus every major platform on October 17th, which <laughs> what a, what a great week. It's not, not a busy week at all in games. It's perfect for Sonic superstars. So Alan Wake was smart. Alan Wake two was originally scheduled to come out that same day. Yeah. Vacated the premises. It's now October 27th. So they got, got out of Dodge but that's still the same week as Spider-Man 2, as well as Super Mario Brothers Wonder. So yeah. like, uh, get ready, <laughs> essentially. Why do they do this to us, Wes? I don't know. And it's and not to mention like uh Assassin's Creed Mirage is I think two weeks before that. And so then is Forza Lord, Motorsport. Yeah, Lords of the Fallen is the Friday before that. Like Endless October Dungeon. is gonna be yeah, God. It just October's wild. I don't. Oh, Ghost Runner Two got an announcement recently that it is also coming <laughs> though that week. Like, oh. it's awesome. But like, like fan gamer Wesley who plays games, you know, in his off time is so excited. It's awesome. It's a great time to be a gamer. But then 
Wesley who has to write reviews is like, how, how are we going to do this? Like, <laughs> this is, this is so much. As the guy um, who's in charge of kind of tetrising <laughs> the review assignments together for Game Informer. Yeah. It's been, it's been a task, but I think <laughs> I've, I think I have a plan for us to be maximum efficiency here. So uh, awesome. I think, I think I have it all mapped out on a spreadsheet. Uh, yes. I have an Excel spreadsheet to kind of figure this all out, but how do you feel about <laughs> superstars versus Mario Bros. Wonder? Like, oh do you God. think it's a little... I mean, I don't think Sega's challenging Mario. Like, that's not their intent. But, like, I, don't, I feel like you could have picked any other week and it might have been better. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's, the smart thing is that Superstars is coming out a few days before. So maybe somebody's really excited for Mario Wonder. And they're like, oh, man, yeah. I, I, like, I really want, like, a, a 2D platformer. And they see Sonic Superstars is out now. And they're like, oh, well, I'll buy that. And then eventually they'll buy Mario Wonder as well. But like, oh man, there's probably a good group of people who are like, I can only afford one game this week. It's, yeah. I mean, it's gonna Sonic be Superstars, as much as I love Sonic Superstars, that's probably the third game on the list for for that that week, right? Because it's probably yeah. Spider-Man 2, then Mario, then Sonic in terms of like profile. Yeah. Like everybody is hyped for Spider-Man um, and everybody's hyped for Mario Wonder. And, it's, and everybody it's should funny be hyped too, for that. Sonic Superstars, but like it's it's just crazy. Those are three of the. I mean, I know Spider Man's transcends gaming, but like those are three. I guess Mario and Sonic do as well now with their movies, but like those are three of the biggest gaming properties currently this running. Year. Like in yeah. terms of franchises that are running, like I mean, Sonic and Mario have always been very popular, but Spider Man has really come on since 2018. Yeah, and like they're all coming out the same week. Like that's just insanity. It's it's wild too that Mario and Sonic are releasing like the same type of yeah <laughs> uh, game in their franchises. Like it could have been a 3D Mario, but no, it's a 2D Mario with four player multiplayer, and uh, Sonic is also doing the same thing. Yeah, I I don't know what the story is behind that, but like I don't know if one of them got wind that the other one was, but I doubt it because like these games are in development for so long that like yeah, it's just I I, I feel like. Sonic would have been it would have benefited greatly from kind of doing what Alan Wake did and just like clear out of that blast radius like push it to like November 17th instead of yeah. but then you're getting in the way of one of your other games which is Persona 5 Tactica. Yeah. So it, I mean I love at least those are distinct games. I love the transparency of devs lately too with delays like uh Stray Gods the musical <laughs> RPG delayed their game and they straight up said like Yes, we want more time to polish the game, but also like we know people are going to be playing Baldur's Gate 3 and we mm. can't compete with that. And then Alan Wake did the same thing where they're just kind of like, yeah, it's a busy time. We're just going to push out a little bit. Yeah, and that's what they told me when they uh, when they let me know about the delay. They were like, this is not a development thing. The game is is good. The game's in good shape. Yeah. It's purely just to like kind of give people more space here. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. You're right. That's same. a good yeah. that's a good tactic. Um that wasn't the only Sonic news that we got, Wes. We also got yeah. additional news in the form of a new look at Sonic Frontier's final free content update. You, they laid this out about this time last year, maybe, and I was probably a little bit after that because the game came out around uh, September of last year, I think mid to late September. But anyway, um, it's so they, they laid this out near the end of last year. We're getting three free content updates over the course of 2023. One of them came, I believe, in March. The other one came out in June. And now the next one is coming out September 28th. And we already knew that it would add new playable characters, new story content. And uh, we got a new trailer for it, which was our yeah. first glimpse at a cutscene for the content. We didn't get gameplay. 
But uh, in the teaser trailer, we see Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy, Eggman, and Sage standing on a cliffside, and there's a giant Titan in the distance. Here's where things get interesting. Sonic turns into Super Sonic, which he always does for the Titan battles. But then he seems to power up again before the fight starts. And people are calling this Super Sonic 2, which I don't know if that's like a Dragon Ball reference or something. It is, yeah. Super Saiyan 2. Okay, so it's either that. I mean, it looked different from Hypersonic, which is from Sonic 3 and Knuckles. That was like kind of the previous power-up. But yeah, I'm really, really interested to see where this goes because it's not just okay, we're going to get to play as Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. It's like, okay, we're, we, it looks like Eggman and Sage are also just kind of standing there, like, being friendly. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, maybe we get to play as them, which would be interesting. Because uh, right now, you know, if you haven't played Sonic Frontiers, you can only play as Sonic. I don't know what, like, if it's going to be kind of like linear missions that you can with Knuckles. Because I feel like playing flying around that open world with Tails might break the traversal of that game, especially given that some of yeah. the segments transition to 2D when you're going through the rails and everything. I don't know how they're going to swing it, but I'm really, really curious about this. And uh, yeah, like I said, it comes out for free for everyone who has Sonic Frontiers on September 28th. Um, did you ever check out Frontiers? I forgot to ask. I am slowly playing it with my nephew who is uh, almost eight and he loves Sonic. So, um, well, I shouldn't even say I'm slowly playing. I'm watching him play it and like helping him, mm-hmm. uh, which has been really cool. But uh, he has played pretty much just Mario games. Um, so watching him play like an open world, open ish world game like this has been fun and stressful because children don't have patience. <laughs> it is an absolutely gorgeous game if you're playing on like a PS5. Yeah, we are. It's it, it's like just a really pretty setting and you're just running through it, you know, especially if you're playing music on like performance mode. The music yeah. is so good, especially now that the jukebox has like all the older songs that you can yeah. listen to while you're while you're running around. But yeah, that's coming out on September 28th. Another big September release, uh, well, a game we're going to be talking about on the main segment, but we saw a new trailer for Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah. Uh, General Shao, which is uh, alternate, the alternate version of Shao Kahn, um, and Sindel are the new characters that are joining the main roster, while Motaro and Shujinko, never thought we'd see Shujinko again, joining the Cameo Fighter roster. And, um, you know, I got to visit NetherRealm out in Chicago, get my hands on the game last week. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about during the main segment. But that game arrives on Switch and every other modern platform on September 19th. And then uh, Monday started out in very interesting fashion. Uh, Nintendo just put out a tweet that simply said, we have a message for fans of the Mushroom Kingdom. Please take a look. Yeah. And the news said, quote, Charles Martinet has been the original voice of Mario in Nintendo games for a long time, as far back as Super Mario 64. Charles is now moving into the brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he'll be stepping back from recording character voices for our games, but he'll continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It has been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years, and we want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which we will post at a future date. So how did this news hit you when it first came out? Um, It seemed, I thought a little negatively about it, uh, just because I kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm just looking for things like that. Like it kind of felt like he was getting the boot, but I've Mm -hmm. kind of switched gears a bit. Like it's a very public message. Um, it doesn't seem like he's getting the boot. And I, I kind of forget that, yeah, he's been doing this for like over 25 years and he's, you know, he's older and maybe wants to retire and, and, and help somebody else. I just looked it up. 
yeah, he wants to maybe help somebody else become the voice of Mario. And he still clearly loves Mario and wants to do things with it in this new role. Um, so yeah, I've kind of switched from, oh no, is he getting the boot from Nintendo to, okay, he's just, you know, it's time for the next phase of his career. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when, maybe this is me just looking way too much into this, but I remember when the first trailer came out and we heard Chris Pratt's Mario for the first time. Yeah. I remember um, voice actor Tara Strong, who does like Fairly Odd Parents, does um, Harley um, Quinn. Harley Quinn. Yeah, that's what she's most well known for Harley Quinn, the Batman animated series, and all the Arkham games. Um, she put out a thing like, hey, everybody, just like send some love to Charles Martinet, um, one of the sweetest humans I know, and da 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 da. And like, I was thinking like, oh, it's probably because like the trailer showed like his character being voiced by somebody else. That's that's immediately what I thought anyway. Yeah. But I wonder if that happened around the same time and like maybe or yeah. maybe he made the decision upon hearing that that he was going to step away. I wonder if he was like, yeah, you know, it's time. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, he had a like a, we'll talk about it later in the episode. But yeah, you had an amazing run. Like it's it's not like he's going out on a low note. If anything, um, the Switch generation has been fantastic for him considering the Mario games we got and Odyssey, which is one of Nintendo's best. Oh, absolutely. And like you alluded to, we're going to dive deeper into the career of Charles Martinet at the tail end of this episode. But wow, what a run. And yeah, uh, yeah, we'll talk all about that on the tail end of the episode. But speaking of Nintendo luminaries, we got some news that former Nintendo of America president and all things Nintendo guest, by the way, Reggie fils is going to be providing the keynote speech at PAX West this weekend. Oh, or next nice. weekend. I missed this. Um, so according to the PAX website, the keynote will be a personal speech celebrating his career, and it's going to happen on September 1st. It'll also include a Q&A, which you can submit questions for on the official PAX website. So I already interviewed him, so people know what I would ask him. What's one question you would ask Reggie if you were given the chance? Hmm. Probably, I mean, I would ask him where Mother 3 is, of course, just because, like, you have to. I think that's... You know, you can't talk to him and not and see what I kind think of he did mention that, that in the interview. I think he mentioned something about Mother Three, like making a joke oh, yeah. about that. He's got like plenty of famous memes out of it. Um, I'd probably ask him. I would want to hear his thoughts on um, Super Mario 3D World, which you know is oh. the the best Mario. Um, <laughs> and I just want to hear. Actually, maybe I would just tell him I think that, and then hear what he says about it. Especially sure now he that he doesn't. Now that he doesn't have to like, you know be 100% positive like I wonder what is what he would say I will tell you he is still extremely positive towards Nintendo oh yeah he's not gonna bash that company yeah Um, also first Nintendo game favorite Nintendo game with him was very interesting because Link to the Past was his first Nintendo game and favorite Nintendo game Breath of the Wild yeah that's that that checks out I wonder if it's Tears of the Kingdom now I wonder I haven't I I would be interested to hear like maybe I'll get to talk to him I'm gonna try to go out to PAX and uh, maybe I'll try to run into him and, and get an update and see what he thinks of Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but we have a couple more here. We have a new game coming to Switch Online. Excitebike 64 is joining the Nintendo 64 library. You can play single player, local multiplayer, or using the Switch Online capabilities, online multiplayer. You can also create your own tracks or race in season mode. And then there's also bonus modes like stunt mode, hill climb, and soccer. So I, I actually never really played Excitebike 64. It's kind of a a blind spot in my N64 knowledge, even though N64 was like, it was my boy back in the day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm wondering if that's like a precursor to Rocket League. Oh yeah, maybe. 
I was looking at gameplay and it looks looks uh like surprisingly capable for a 64 game oh everybody's talking about it this this game handled so well in its time it still plays yeah. super well so i'm gonna check it out this has been my first time really digging into it but it comes to the n64 catalog which is a part of the switch online plus expansion pack on august 30th and in case we didn't mention it uh, a lot of this news that we covered today came out of gamescom which always gives us a ton of announcements but we also learned this week where we can expect another jeff Keeley joint and yeah Earlier this week, we learned that the Game Awards 2023 will take place on December 7th, once again in Los Angeles, California, sunny LA. Uh, Nintendo's role has actually been pretty limited in recent years. Like I've I've actually yeah. gone and uh, I've always held off the, the two years that I've had all things Nintendo. I've held off on recording the news segment or the final segment because I'm like, oh, well, there's going to be some news that we want to talk about. And yeah. then nothing happens. And it's like, oh, well, I held this for nothing. <laughs> and... Uh, but remember, at one point, it was all but certain that we'd get massive announcements. We got like a one of the first looks at Breath of the Wild was at yeah. uh, the Game Awards one year, and you know, Joker coming to Smash Joker, was yeah. at at the Game Awards. Like there were Bayonetta there was a time three, maybe which one was Bayonetta three announced there? I mean, I know it's not. Oh, I don't know. First party Nintendo, but I think it was. But I mean, it was Nintendo published, so it's still they make the call probably. Yeah, but yeah, so there's a lot. I think Bayonetta 3 might have been E3 that year, though. Uh, um, but there's, yeah, <laughs> there's a chance that we'll get some massive announcements on December 7th. But there's also a good chance that this trend will continue. And we just won't get it. I, I honestly think Reggie might have been the driving force because, you know, he's he was at the Game Awards two years ago. I ran into him um, yeah. and, you know, he was a, a guest host as well. He presented one of the awards. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to see him. Uh, still continue to appear at those, but I'd also love to see Nintendo continue to appear at those, at those even without Reggie being kind of the anchor there. Yeah. So hopefully we get a big announcement or two on that day. But Wes, that's all the news that we're going to cover for today. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll be diving into all of the hands-on impressions that I have. We've got, uh, I think, four big games we're going to be talking about. And uh, we're going to talk all about that when we come back from this break. We'll be right back. Last week, I was on the road first to New York, then to Chicago to get my hands on a ton of upcoming games. And while several of them are not coming to Switch, there were three that are. So Wes, we're gonna run through the ones that I did see that are coming to Switch. I mean, there were a few like Persona 3 Reload, which I wish were coming to Switch, yeah. but unfortunately are not. Uh, I mean, maybe eventually. I, from what I played, it didn't seem like it would be too demanding. It played a lot like Persona 5 Royal, which is currently on Switch. So maybe eventually it'll come to Switch, but uh, right now I think it's only listed for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. But there's another Persona game that I did check out while I was in New York visiting a Sega event, and that was Persona 5 Tactica. So you may know this as kind of like the spinoff game from Persona 5 that's like uh, almost like Persona meets XCOM is probably the best way to describe it. But it's almost maybe a little bit more Mario plus Rabbits than XCOM because there's all these like knockback mechanics and you can use your personas like so you have a kind of like fantastical powers. The colors are just so vibrant within the environment. The tactics are pretty sound, I would say. Like, you know, it was, um, you know, it's the same cast as before. Plus, there's a new character called Arena. And the new combat system really lends itself well to tactics. 
but like basically like there it's it's the, the main appeal for me is going to be having another adventure with these characters, which is what I've been saying ever since they announced this, even though from what I understand, I don't think it's canonical, but it's still like, mm. all right, well, it, I mean, it's the same way that like, all right, well, the way Nintendo kind of looks at the Mario characters as, oh, they're just actors in a play. And they, at least in the early days, they looked at them that way. So like that explains why they can go on this adventure where Mario has to rescue Peach from Bowser, who, kidnapped her and tried to force her to marry him and then like the next episode they're riding go-karts around you know yeah so that almost feels like what this is although they are still very much in like character it's still kind of it seems like it follows the events of persona 5 because they are referencing stuff that happened in persona 5 it does not appear to be persona 5 royal i didn't see uh kasumi i didn't see either of the new characters from persona 5 strikers it just seemed like it was kind of the core persona cast but um, so it was Futaba, Haru, Ryoji, Morgana, Joker, Yusuke, An, and Makoto. They had a they had reworked music, which was nice. A new song from Lin, which I was extremely excited about. Ooh, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah. Um, and basically, like it starts off where like uh, I guess like the front runner to win the upcoming like prime minister election has gone missing, and they're just kind of watching that on the news, and they're in LeBlanc Cafe, which is why I had you on here, obviously. Of course, yes, yes. My uh, favorite so, uh, coffee yeah. shop that I own, actually, yeah. I do have a t-shirt for LeBlanc Cafe. Or <laughs> LeBlanc awesome. Coffee and Curry, I think is what it's officially called. Yeah, um, I need to get one. It, it's, it's a nice shirt. You should check it out. Um, but like basically, the, they're just kind of talking. The TV's on in the background. You hear the news is like running down, like, hey, the, this representative is missing he was the front runner for the prime minister and then like suddenly the power goes out and the entire like coffee shop shakes and then they're like you see like the light is just like emanating from the door of the coffee shop and they open up the door and they're like in kind of like this fantastical world and they realize that they're in their kind of metaverse outfits that when they go into like a palace in persona 5 mm-hmm. and they're like oh maybe we are not in tokyo anymore so um Basically, like there's like these kind of like revolution era soldiers that come up to them and it's like, you know, tactics ensues there and they meet this character, uh, Lady Marie, who is this giant pink woman in a wedding dress. And it seems like her ability is she can mind control people. So she's mind controlled all these soldiers. And then, um, you know, the tactics basically play out like, you know, everybody has their turn. You can move freely, but like where you stop is based on a grid. And if you're in cover... It blocks incoming attacks from the front, but from the side, they just are resisted. So it's still, you get a benefit, even if you're in cover and like the enemy is kind of off to the side a little bit. Um, and then everybody, you know, you have like a, your, your ranged attack, you have your melee attack. The melee attack actually has knockback, so it can push people out of cover. So if you want to risk it, Ooh, like, nice. so I had like Morgana and Joker and I would have Joker run up and do his melee attack. And then Morgana could hit him with the range. Uh, Morgana also has, you know, because all the personas have elemental types. So Morgana has like a wind attack where she could knock them out of cover with the wind, which was really helpful. And then uh, if you have them kind of like out of uh, out of cover and you hit them while they're just completely out in the open, it knocks them down, which gives you a one one more attack, which, um, you know, in turn based persona that just means you get an extra attack and that's exactly what it means in uh persona 5 tactica which is extremely valuable when you have when you're playing turn-based tactics like 
it's always like, God, I wish I had could like move a little bit further. I wish I could attack one more time. I have them right where I want them. They're going to move back into cover after this turn. I could just know it. So having that is extremely helpful. Um, there's a, there's an attack as well, where if you can form a triangle around a downed opponent, you can do an, basically what's, uh, it's called a triple threat attack. And it's basically, you, you've played a little bit of persona five, right? Yeah, I'm about 80 hours in. To okay, Royal. so more than a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's still, I mean, that's per- still a little bit of Persona 5. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, you know, like all-out attacks. Like if you like knock down all the enemies, you can do an all-out attack. And yeah. it's like kind of like the big hard hit that like usually will finish them, but if not, deals a lot of damage. That version is, um, it's called the triple threat. And you always have three characters in your party. I mean, most of the time you have three characters. There were a couple in the tutorial stages where I only had two. But when you do have three characters in your party... You can position them in a triangle around the downed opponent. And when you do that, you can do that that attack. And if you do that when there's another character in that triangle, so you can do it pretty wide also. So it's not just like you all have to be like surrounding him. You could have one character like on one side of the battlefield, one character like kind of north, and then one character like on like the west. As long as they are in the triangle formed by your characters, you can do that attack. And anybody who's also in that triangle will also get hit by it. So there's a lot of strategy regarding like the uh, like the positioning of your characters as well. So I had a really great time with this. Um, there are it seems like they're doing some interesting stuff with like the missions. It doesn't seem like it's just straightforward. Like, all right, knock out all the enemies and win. Like there was one where like this Lady Marie uh, woman captured Skull uh, Ryuji and ended up like mind controlling him, and he ended up fighting against you and. So you know like what his attacks are because you've played as him in this this demo before, but like he's a, he's attacking you, so you have to like kind of plan strategically for like what his attacks are going to be. But also the mission is defeat all enemies but Skull. So like you have to attack the enemies, avoid Ryuji's incoming attacks, but also don't hurt him, right? Because he's your friend. You're trying to figure out yeah. a way to free him from the mind control. So there's some interesting ideas at play. It does seem fairly straightforward tactics, but again, like the. Uh, the personas being in play and having all different elemental attacks and different like effects like Joker's uh, Arsene has like a really good like area of effect attack. Um, and that that all kind of makes it feel a little bit different. The triple threat feels great. But really, I'm just here for the uh, like the additional story for these characters, because I, I just love this cast so much. And I and was stoked that we got more of like stuff with them. We get to go on a road trip with them and persona five strikers, which again, it's on switch. I highly recommend it. If you played persona five, check out strikers, even if you're not really like a Musuo uh, player, because there are a lot of turn-based elements to that. Like they really did a great job implementing turn-based RPG mechanics into like kind of the, the Musuo mechanics and it's like if if you like the characters as much as I do, it's a road trip across Japan with those characters. So it's like, okay, this is really cool. I had a great time with that game. I think that I'm gonna have a really great time with Persona Five Tactica. Um, how are you feeling about this game? I'm excited. Um, I really like tactics games, um, especially in the more Fire Emblem uh, realm. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm that's really like the only tactics series I've played. A lot of, uh, but Persona is a series that will get me to explore other tactics games. So I'm excited. I'm curious, like, how's the presentation of the game? Does it still feel very Persona 5? Because that's like my favorite part about these games is the there's just no UI and like everything about 
the Persona 5 package is so clean and nice. And um, I haven't seen much of Tactica, so I'm curious if it like still feels like it's in that um, family of games. It feels very stylized in his presentation, but this, unlike Persona 5 Strikers, the art style is different from that of uh, P5 and P5 Strikers. Yeah, it's, it's more chibi, right? kind of chibi style. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good way to describe it. And I mean, it's not full chibi. It's not like uh, World of Final Fantasy, but mm. it is. Uh, it's it's pretty like yeah, chibi style is a, a great way to describe it. So. I, I wish it was the original style, but I get it. Yes. Like maybe that wouldn't work super well in a tactics, but then again, we have XCOM, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just got guess, sick of using these character models. <laughs> yeah. It's been like six years, so I can ex- see why they'd want to branch out. And plus like the persona Q series, right. was chibi esque. Like that's yeah. what it reminds me most of the, I forget they're called like labyrinth or something on three DS and whatever those games were. Um, so I guess it's not like yeah. out of pocket. New cinema labyrinth. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's it's gotten me it's got me wanting to finish um, Persona Five Royal soon, um, which I I kind of dip in at least a couple times a month and just play a little bit more of that game because I'm just slowly chipping away at it. I mean, it's so long unless you're going to marathon it like I did when I reviewed Persona Five Royal, which by the way, just kissing my social life goodbye for that one. Yeah, and of course, yeah, it was yeah. timed perfectly with lockdown happening um, here in the states. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just power through persona five Royal when I'm done, I'll see all my friends. And then of course, literally like three days before I finished or like a week before I finished persona five Royal, everything shut down in 2020. So it was like, well, I was already in lockdown for like two and a half weeks before that. (laughs) Yeah. God, that's crazy. That Royal came out around the same time as the pandemic. I did not have those two connected, but I guess it has been like three years. That I think is... it was February 2020 or no, uh, March 2020 is when it came out, I believe. And then it was like right around the time that Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal did as well. Wow, man, so those those past three years of my life just completely gone rushed. I feel cheated on life. <laughs> like, <laughs> where did those years go? What the heck? So Persona 5 Royal, or Persona 5 Royal, Persona 5 Tactica is coming to Switch and pretty much every other major platform on November 17th. I wish we could talk all about Persona 3 Reload right now because I'm very enthusiastic about that because it's basically Persona 3, but in the style of Persona 5 Royal. And the way they were talking about it to me, um, the people at Atlas that were at the event were like, we want, like right now, if somebody asks me, what's the Persona game that, that I should fire up if I'm a first-time player, I'll tell them Persona 5 Royal. We want Persona 3 Reload to be the new standard for that and from what i played it feels like it and it doesn't look like it's too powerful for the switch so i don't know what the deal is um it is coming to xbox as well so it's like it's not like it's a playstation exclusive like the previous like mainline persona games were at launch so i don't know what the deal is with that hopefully they they do rectify that at some point in the near future Uh, but when it comes out in february it is not coming to switch which is such a bummer given how promising that game looks and how it just feels like okay well as somebody who got into the series through persona 5 and then went back and played persona 4 golden this is the the version of persona 3 that i desperately want and i i can't wait for it and i wish it was coming to switch so hopefully they, that does happen at some point in the future but we won't go too in depth in my gameplay of that game other than to say it rules and i i look forward to that game even if it's not coming to switch so uh persona aside there was another game that is very high profile coming out this fall that I checked out and that is Mortal Kombat 1. That Ooh. is surprisingly coming to Switch. If you asked me like before telling me any of the platforms, show me gameplay footage, which of these games is more likely to come to Switch? 
I would have said Persona 3 Reload in a heartbeat. Mortal Kombat oh, yeah, 1, though, sure. is the one coming to Switch. And I am extremely high on this game. I mean, we, we played together at Summer Game Fest and had a blast. Yeah. The visual fidelity, I mean, I've not played the Switch version at all yet. So full disclosure or full disclosure there, um, I have talked to Ed Boone about it. You've heard the interview if you've listened to this podcast back in June where I asked him and he said the same company that worked on a Mortal Kombat 11's port is working on the Mortal Kombat 1 port. So at least they know their way around. They said they one of their must-haves was 60 frames per second. So that was another very positive thing that he said back when I talked to him in June. Got to talk to him again, as well as a couple of other members of NetherRealm. But the big thing that I checked out with Mortal Kombat 1 this time around was the single-player content. So I got to play the story mode. I played the first chapter of story, which focuses on Kun Lao. And, you know, as you know, this is like a reboot of the franchise yeah. the you know all the characters are kind of cast in different roles speaking of characters that just kind of play a part you know Liu kang rewrote history essentially at the end of mortal kombat 11 and this is kind of like the result and as a result Liu kang is kind of like the god of the group and like raiden seems like he's kind of slotting into Liu kang's former position because the it opens well it opens with a very fun scene and, you know, I'm going to, uh, full warning here, I'm going to give a few spoilers for the first chapter of Mortal Kombat 1 story mission or story mode. So skip ahead to the next timestamp, uh, which is in the description, if you feel so inclined to avoid this, the spoilers here. Um, but the story mode starts off with a fun scene where it's like old man Shang Tsung selling, like he's like in a town square, like selling um, like kind of like a miracle tonic to people. And they're like, he's like, yeah, it cures all diseases. And then like a man interrupts him is like, I bought your, your tonic or your, your miracle potion last week for my daughter who was dying and it didn't work. And this man's a fraud. I took it to to an herbalist. They said it was just this type of tea. And then they basically like it. The last thing you see is them all surrounding Shang Tsung. And he's just like, "Uh Oh, and then uh, it cuts. And then it's like later that night and he's like all beat up and like, he's kind of like dressing his wounds. And then you see, he takes off the old man costume and it was just like a nod to like one, the fact that he was an old man in the original mortal Kombat, and two, the fact that he's a shapeshifter, but he doesn't have that power. So he was just wearing a costume and like some woman comes out of the shadows and is like, ah, so like you're playing off the fact that they're more likely to believe kind of like a, an old man, an old fragile man than like a young like scam artist basically is what the woman says. And she basically like, like tells him like, Hey, I know what you are in other timelines and I want to help you restore yourself to that glory. And basically like the line she uses was like, I want to give you the power that you pretend to have. And then she like has him just like, uh, says, join me and I will put the realms at your feet. And like, he just kind of like, cause at first he's like, who are you? Like, leave me alone. And then, like, he gets, like, this evil smile on his face, and then the, the scene cuts, and then we cut to Raiden and Kun Lao, like, out in the fields harvesting what looks like kind of, like, cabbage or lettuce or something, and they don't really have, like, the godlike powers like Raiden were used to seeing him have, but he does have, like, electricity power and everything, but they're just, like, harvesting crops, and they're like, all right, yeah, let's put a friendly wager, like, because Kun Lao's like, I'm, I'm destined for more than this, and Raiden's like, what are you talking about? We have a good life here, and... Then uh, they go and eat at their favorite restaurant and the uh, the Lin Kuei attack. And I don't know if you've seen like the, the stuff surrounding Scorpion, 
but basically Scorpion's uh, Lin Kuei in this one because it's uh, the younger version of Sub-Zero takes on the, the Scorpion mantle, I believe, in this one. Is so that the same group as... Uh, it's always Sub-Zero's group, the Lin Kuei. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So basically they, they show up and they're demanding like protection money from Madame Bo, who's like the, the head of this restaurant. And, you know, first it's smoke that shows up. So you have to fight smoke. And then it's uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero that you have to fight. And, you know, the cameo fighters, the new mechanic where like you can kind of summon in a, a character to just perform like one move. That, that has some cool stuff with the story because it's like, oh, yeah, Raiden was here with me. Now he's fighting alongside me. So it actually plays nicely into the story elements as well. I was like, oh, like in the other Mortal Kombat games, they're just like, don't worry, I'll take care of this other character who's here. You take care of so-and-so. And now it's like, oh, no, yeah. we're fighting these characters together. Like you can summon in Raiden to do an attack. And then like, you know, Scorpion could summon in Sub-Zero to do something. And like one of Sub-Zero's was like freezing Scorpion's chest. So like basically form armor around him, which was really cool. So that there's like really neat stuff that goes on with that. And there's that still that same like campiness that is present in the stories, even though the, the cutscenes are super impressive. So, you know, super badass choreography. And but like there's like this scene where like, you know, Kun Lao doesn't have like his his bladed hat. So like he he just his instinct is to when Scorpion or Sub-Zero is standing there in front of him, he throws his hat at him. It just kind of like bounces off of his head. <laughs> That's they awesome. said that in like one of the trailers and he yeah. just like the guy just kind of turns around, looks annoyed. <laughs> and then yeah. there's another time where like a, a circular blade just flies through the air and hit like r- rams into the wall and just like sinks into the wall. And, and Kun Lao has this moment where he goes, oh, that works much better. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. um, so like that, that's kind of a cool little nod. And then there was another time where like there's this really like well choreographed fight scene between Sub-Zero and I think it was Kun Lao and they're fighting and there's a guy just sitting at the bar in the restaurant and Sub-Zero like does like this ice punch and it lands on the bar and there's just this giant like kind of ice block on the bar and the man sitting at the bar take like just reaches over, breaks off a piece of the ice and puts it in his drink. So like there's definitely That's some awesome. of that like trademark Mortal Kombat campiness, but all framed within like the kind of the amazing, still kind of serious, still kind of tongue in cheek narrative that we're used to with the mortal Kombat series kind of starting with mk9 yeah so yeah that was the that was the story mode the other thing i played was invasions which is their other new single player uh mode that they are bringing this this time around and this is like almost like a uh an rpg style seasonal single player mode so it operates on a six week seasonal content drop uh cycle and you're going around a board game board basically like almost like a mario 3 style hub world where you know you go to this and then you open you 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 do the challenge and then if you do it you move on to the next uh node and then you keep going and you're working your way through like familiar environments like the opening environment is like johnny cage's mansion and johnny cage is like narrating and kind of giving you a tour of the mansion as you go through it's like oh yeah there's like a a portal that opened in the bedroom that goes to like a, another world. I don't know what's going on there, but like it's made the house really hard to sell. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it's humorous in that regard as well. Uh, But yeah, you're like just fighting through like these different challenges. And sometimes it's like, all right, you have to fight three enemies and like kind of survive through that. 
Other times it's like, okay, now like demons are coming through and like breathing fire. You have to, and it can hit both enemy or both, both fighters, but you have a main character and you have a cameo fighter. And then there's also ways you, so every time you beat a challenge, that character levels up a little bit. And as you level up your health, your attack power, your defense, all that stuff improves. But not only that, but every character has an elemental aspect to it. So like reptile is acid, scorpion is fire, sub-zero, obviously ice, raiden, electricity. So like they're all elemental. So they do better against certain enemies based on their elements. Then on top of that, you can get these talisman and these talismans are upgradable and you can add different effects to them. So like I had Sub-Zero, for example, I equipped him with a talisman that I found and then I went to the forge and modified it so that that made it so if I flicked the right stick, he shot a flaming skull. So that gave uh, Sub-Zero in kind of like a Pokemon-esque move, like like TM, HM style, I gave this ice type fighter a fire type attack. So it's really interesting how you can play with the types there. And um, there's also ones where it's like you can make it so that you, that the talisman heals you or does other stuff, adds armor. And um, yeah. So I just, are you like, it's, it's, it's still 2D fights and like yeah. the enemy just might be weak to fire. So you need a fire attack? Sometimes. Otherwise, like, you know, sometimes there's like lasers being called down from above or sometimes it's just like other mini games. Like there was one where it was like you're still in a 2D plane, like still like moving like you are if you're in a fight, but you have to dodge like incoming energy balls. And then there's another oh, one where it's, cool. it's, te- it's just straight up test your might. And it's uh, just really fascinating the challenges they're putting forth. It still feels definitively Mortal Kombat and you're still fighting these enemies. The enemies are not named, like, usually anyway. They're not named, like, Scorpion or Sub-Zero. It's, like, I don't even know what it is, but it's, like, different code names. Um, But, you you know, based on who you play as, you unlock different uh, cosmetics and other stuff for them. So, like, it, it basically means that, like, oh, I never play, say I never play Johnny Cage, but I'm playing Sub-Zero. I'm going to be more likely to unlock stuff for Sub-Zero than I would be for Johnny Cage because they basically wanted to let you have progress that you can kind of chart to get the rewards that you want. And Does that stuff transfer to the uh, other modes or is this all just within Invasion? No, I mean, well, the Talismans are only in Invasion from what I understand. But like if you unlock like a new color palette for Sub-Zero, that transfers to the other modes. Or if you unlock like a different cameo fighter, for example, that unlocks in the other modes as well. That's so awesome. there are a lot of things in that regard. And they say that, that, you know, it's a six week seasonal cycle. So it all gets wiped back to zero. Like, so all your leveling and your like collection and your currency that you get in the season wipes back to zero. They basically said like, we don't want you to have to feel like you have to hoard this stuff in hopes of getting something better down the road. We yeah. just want you to be able to spend it, earn it in that season, spend it. And then like when it wipes, you're back to square one and everybody has the new starting point. And, they say that each season is going to have about nine hours of seasonal content, which is a lot. Yeah. So this is ambitious. Does Do you feel like uh, I like kind of not cringe is the right word, but um, I don't know when I hear seasonal nowadays, I get a little worried because I don't think that every game needs to try to be this seasonal game. That's going to require me to log on every day and play. Do you get the sense that this is like mortal Kombat trying to, 
join that realm of games not quite live service but because there's no Would, battle pass or anything but like you know they want you to log in and play every day do you get that sense i mean i think the towers were more of that from like mk10 and mk11 because yeah. that was more of like you do have to ch- like check in every day and like s- get your rewards this seemed like basically talking to the lead designer of the mode he was like if you want to like just power through it and like knock it out in like the first week you can do that and then you don't have to come back until the next season but we do give you like rewards for uh replaying certain nodes or anything like that but it's not like it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's like a oh i gotta log in and get my dailies yeah aspect okay to it you That's know good. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that is the case. I'm hoping there's not like a, any kind of like microtransaction stuff hidden beneath the surface. I could see how there could be just yeah. by like, okay, you can buy like the special talisman or you can buy like currency that you can use to buy consumables. Cause there were also like different consumables that you could have like one that like makes it so you can resurrect, like if you die in a challenge, you can resurrect at 50% health uh, one time, or there's one that like, gives you certain resistances in your next fight. So like if you're fighting a really powerful like acid user, you can buy like the acid resistance item and use that in your next fight. So I could see how maybe they could like get you that way. But I wasn't, I, I failed a couple of challenges, but I wasn't like struggling to like get through at least the first area, you know? So yeah, yeah. I'm hopeful that that is the case and they just kind of let you do do what you want to do like like engage with it as you want to engage with it i don't know what the final rewards are going to be but like it seems like it's uh it's a pretty solid mode and it seems like it's going to be pretty substantial as well so yeah how are you feeling about mortal Kombat one now that we know a whole lot more about like the story and the invasions and like we're, we're kind of peeling back more and more about the roster I'm excited. I played some this weekend because there was a uh, closed beta, I think, for people that pre-ordered, and um, I got code for that. So I checked it out a bit. Um, it was just like more multiplayer, which I'd already done at um, Summer Game Fest. Uh, but yeah, uh, hearing you talk about the single player and this invasion mode is exciting. I'm, I've never really... I play Mortal Kombat, but I've not really kept up with the story too much. But one of my best friends, it's like his game. It's his favorite game of all time, series of all time. And... Um, so he and I have been like working through watching the cutscenes of nine through 11 together just to mm-hmm. kind of get caught up on that trilogy uh, in preparation for one. So I'm excited to see, uh, to watch all that and then see how one uh, kicks off like this new universe. It's, it's, it's from what I gather, it sounds like, yeah, it's like a reboot, but you know, fans will have little things that they'll pick up on like you uh, recognizing that, uh, what was the guy's name Shang Tsung Shang Tsung yeah he's like yeah like being a shapeshifter yeah and I saw that he's like the very first villain of Mortal Kombat so it's cool to like it's tying back into stuff like that and um and yeah the fidelity of these cutscenes is is wild I mean Mortal Kombat's always looked really good but like this one seems like such a massive jump over even 11 which is wild to me and it's just so gory and disgusting and gross i love it well, we got to do a tour of nether realm as well and we got to see their facial capture area as well as their motion capture studio that they have at their studio and i got to watch somebody do a mocap for a test your might that uh i think oh, is gonna awesome. be for an upcoming character um so yeah, that is, uh, it, it, they have amazing technology. I mean, I've also seen similar technology at remedy and we've seen how amazing, like the characters look in like control, for example. Yeah. 
And Alan Wake, or Alan 2 Wake looks 2. absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, like they have state of the art technology. They were telling a story about how uh, Peter Weller from uh, RoboCop fame, when they put RoboCop in Mortal Kombat 11 as DLC, he came into the studio and did like the facial capture and everything. And That's he was so like, awesome. he was like so curious about like all the tech. Like he was asking all about like all these like in depth technical questions about how it works and everything. And it was uh it's it's really incredible like the stuff that they have and i hope that the switch version looks like even a percentage as good as like the ps5 version that i was playing because it just it blows me away how good this game looks and i hope it runs well too because you know that's that's the big trouble for a lot of uh a lot of switch games right is like that are yeah. multi-platform is like all right well it doesn't run super well on this version because let's face it when the switch came out six years ago it was underpowered then it's really underpowered now <laughs> yeah so, and and they're, they're not putting it on playstation 4 or xbox one which is i mean it's different you know it's a port house that's doing it and they're like focused on the switch but it's interesting that they're going to get it running on switch but they're not going to bother with ps4 or xbox one yeah so i want to talk about one more game that i played while i was on the road it is a switch exclusive actually and that is Samba de Amigo. <laughs> oh, yeah. This game. Yeah, it comes out next week on Switch. And I played two songs on it. And I had a good time. But, of course, I was playing okay. Sonic music. I was playing Sonic music. So I was. Uh, mm, they had a yeah, bunch of, like, yeah. really, like, pop, like, different genres. But, like, pop songs as well. I did do the Macarena as well. So that was fun. Um, nice. So I did uh, the Macarena. I did Escape from the City from Sonic Adventure 2. And then I did uh, Fist Bump from Sonic Forces. That was kind of like the anime theme song that they did with the guy from Hoobastank. Yeah. Oh, and what? What? I got to look into that. I don't know that. <laughs> it's actually a very good song. I enjoy that song a lot. It actually makes its way into some of my workout playlists, if I'm honest. So That's awesome. in case you needed more ammunition for thinking I'm a nerd, there you go. <laughs> uh, Samba de Amigo, I believe it's Party Central. Is that the name for this one? Um, it comes out August 29th, so it's right around the corner. Probably you might even be listening to this after August 29th. And, you know, I only played a few songs, but I had a good time with it. I it, Basically, there's six circles that are around the screen. You take the Joy-Cons, one in each hand. You shake it in the direction that it tells you to shake it. It registers, and sometimes you have to shake it uh, in different ways. You have to spin your arm in different circles. Escape from the city. It basically had me spinning my arm like a windmill for a long time, and I was like really good. I was I was working up a sweat, which is why I was glad I saved it for last at the preview event. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it seems like a fun music game. It has a decent uh, library of songs. They're supporting it with uh, DLC songs from other Sega games. Like there's going to be like some Yakuza songs or like it's like a Dragon songs and uh, more Sonic songs. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't think it's going to be like anywhere on like my top 10 games of the year, but it seems like it's going to be a fun little music game that you can play. And I'm glad it's back because this is the first like true Samba de Amigo game since Dreamcast. And that was back when you actually had like the, the plastic Maraca uh, peripherals. Whereas this, it's just, you're using the Joy-Cons like Maracas. That is, I did not even real. I mean, I didn't know the series is that old. Like I knew it existed, but I wonder why they're bringing it back. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know anybody asking for it necessarily, but maybe it's, you know, maybe it'll be a little sleeper hit and be a good time. It sounds fun. I mean, I think maybe they saw like all the success that Just Dance has had over the past two decades and are like, maybe we could do something with that. But also Sega seems like it's kind of in the the mode of bringing back some of its older franchises. 
And I was just yeah. thinking about like which ones I would like to see more of. And I was like, oh man, like Space Harrier or something like that. Um, yeah. Obviously, Shenmue was one that I wanted for a long time. And then it ended up getting revived by the creator, but outside of Sega. And from what I understand, I have not played Shenmue 3 because I heard it was not super awesome. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I'll probably play more of it when it comes out. But um, yeah, are you going to check out this game? I don't think so. Fair probably enough, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Not for, not for me. But uh, there's one more I want to talk about before we end this main segment here. And that's a game I've been playing at home and on a plane and in my hotel. That Ooh. is Vampire Survivors. That is finally on Switch. It's out now. If you don't know, it's a single stick roguelite survival mode or survival game. And you're just going around basically bullet hell. It, you start off with just a few little enemies. You're using a single stick to drive this character around the map. You're exploring the map and it's like retro graphics. Like it looks like it's, it would be at home on an SNES. And you are at least until you start getting your power ups and they become very visually impressive. But, you know, you start off just kind of going around, taking down basic enemies, slowly upgrading your character with like the experience points that these enemies drop when you defeat them. And, you're leveling up your attack power every single time you play. So this game was one of the biggest hits of last year, and the price point is a huge reason for that. It's less than $5 to buy this game. And trust me when I say, if you give it a shot, you will get far more than $5 of of fun out of this game. I've gotten, I mean, I probably, based on the amount of time I've put into this game across uh, Xbox, PC, and now Switch, I've probably gotten $60 out of, out of, oh, also my phone. I have the mobile version because the day before they announced the Switch version, I bought it because I was on a plane and I said, man, I would love to play Vampire Survivors on this flight. And so I bought the mobile version. And again, it's under $5. And then there's two DLC packs across every platform that is $2 a piece that I, I think are worth it as well. So it's very, very limited expense or uh, uh, investment in terms of expenses, but I just have a blast with this game. It's it's the epitome of okay, one more time, one more chance, one more one more attempt here because you get so close. The goal for a lot of the levels is to get to thirty minutes. Some of them are lower, but you just want to survive for as long as possible. Explore. You can sometimes unlock new characters through exploration, unlock new power ups through exploration, and then you're accumulating gold as you go. And then you can go out into the menu and unlock permanent upgrades for your characters. So like you can, okay, well now I want my characters to, to regenerate more health. So the game runs very well on Switch. And I have been playing the crap out of it on these flights. And it's basically, I've talked about how Breath of the, or not Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom is basically like a cheat code when you're on a flight. Where it's like, I'll look down, play Tears of the Kingdom for like 30 minutes and I'll look up and like two hours have passed. That's how mm-hmm. Vampire Survivors feels. Even though there's a timer straight in the middle of the screen, <laughs> you lose track of time because you're just playing it and you're, you're playing it in 15 to 30 minute chunks. And I just lose track because I'm like, okay, one more, one more attempt, one more attempt. And it's so easy to get lost in this game. And it's like, before you know it, it's time to land on this flight. And it, having a mobile version of it or a portable version of it, I don't have a Steam Deck, so I couldn't do that. The mobile version, it's fun, it's fine, but like I, I love the tactile uh, joystick, which is what I desperately need for this game because I get too into it. Where yeah. like 
my thumb is sliding all over the place I'm, and I'm blocking part of the screen and seeing where your enemies are coming from is so crucial in this game. So I am so happy the Switch version is out now. It plays so well. And there's co-op, which is the big addition that co- coincides with the launch of the Switch. I think it's now on all versions, but there was like a title update for across all the versions. But yeah, you can do co-op in this. And I played a little bit with my partner last night and it uh, it plays just super fun. Like it's nice to like coordinate with somebody and she's not a gamer at all, but even she was like, I was like, hey, can you play a game with me real quick? And she was like, what? Like she just, she does not like gaming <laughs> yeah. at all. And she was playing it and I was like, look, trust me, it's going to be, it's very simple. You're only using one stick for like 95% of the the game. The only time you're not using just one stick is when you're selecting what power up you want. And yeah. we were playing, we made it about, you know, 17 minutes. Basically what happens is you trade off who gets upgrades. So I get the first upgrade and then it, uh, it would go over and it's like now all the gems we collect, like if I pick up a gem, it kicks up and like basically teleports to her or floats to her. And then she gets the upgrade. So it's like alternating upgrades and some of them affect both characters. Some of them are just you and you have different loadouts. So it's like, Oh wow. So like we have to be really strategic because you know, sometimes like you're built for having like a, like, like, okay, I'm really built for like, when the swarms come, I'm able to just take them out in droves and like get just really farm this experience. And other ones, it's like, okay, this is going to cover me from all angles because I have the fire wand shooting this way. I have the magic wand shooting this way. I have lightning striking down. So you really have to coordinate with each other to like figure out how this impacts like your builds. Cause it's like, all right, I had the garlic and she had the whip for close range. And then like I had the fire wand and she had the lightning strikes and the magic wand. And like, we were like, okay, well this will benefit us both. So let's choose that. And then, like, I would have to, like, rescue her sometimes. She would have to rescue me sometimes. And it was just – and, like, if one of you goes down, you basically turn into a coffin. And, like, the enemies can attack the coffin. If they do too much damage, it'll – you'll uh, – you won't come back or, like, you'll resurrect. But you'll just be, like, killed immediately because you're still stuck in the swarm. So you have to kind of go back and, like, rescue them from, like, death. And they can resurrect, I think, with half health. And, you know, if you both die, it's obviously over. But, yeah, it – this is a fantastic version of this game. I am so happy it's on Switch. I'm surprised it took this long to go on Switch. But yeah, Vampire Survivors, if you have not checked it out yet, wholehearted recommendation. It, it seems like a game that would be an eShop Gem of the Week, but this transcends eShop Gem of the Week. I cannot sing the praises of Vampire Survivors enough. And I was resistant to it at first. And then uh, former game and former editor and current you know freelancer Brian Vore reviewed it for us last year. And he gave it, I think a nine five. And I was like, Oh, come on. When I got that in. Cause I was like, I know people are excited about this game, but let's calm down here. And now like, I agree. I agree. Having played it. Like, I, I think that was an appropriate score. It's perfectly balanced. It's just a, a fantastic game. And I, I think that everybody should check it out regardless of your interest in this type of game. It's just, it, it and even, even my partner, again, she does not like gaming outside of like, you know, kind of Pac-Man or Tetris or like kind of like those old school games that we all kind of grew up playing. She was like, oh, that was simple enough that I could play it, but it was also super fun. Like I would play that again. So I still have not played Vampire Survivors, mostly because the way everyone talks about it sounds like uh, something I should not implement into my life. Uh, I don't I don't want to lose hours of my time currently, especially in 2023 with this year. Um, So at first you will be obsessed with it. Yeah. And then it'll just become one of those games where it's like, all right, I've put all these hours into 
Tears of the Kingdom tonight, I need to not think for just a moment. And I'll put on a podcast and I'll play like one or two rounds of Vampire Survivors before bed. And that's what it's become for me. Or like when I'm traveling, obviously, it's like my go-to now. Um, but yeah, I I can't recommend this game enough. Definitely check out Vampire Survivors on Switch. It's amazing to have a portable version of this game that has actual tactile controls. Um, but yeah, Wes, I, I'm going to keep leaning on you to to play this game. I will. I mean, I'm going to do it eventually. I've got a lot of people that want me to play it and all my friends love it. I have just, uh, it's it's weird. I, ha- I don't do this on purpose, but sometimes I just have like an aversion to games that everyone's playing just because I'm like scared to lose my time. I also have never played Among Us, which is another game that, um, not similar to Vampire Survivors, but one that like everyone's played because it's so accessible on like devices and phones and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm going to do it one day. I will. I, I can promise you right now is not the time for vampire survivors to <laughs> enter my life. Uh, the release calendar for basically the rest of the year is, uh, terrifying, but awesome. Cause 2023 continues to deliver awesome games. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe in the quieter time of January or late December, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll keep checking in with me on this podcast and hopefully I'll do it. <laughs> Well, this is definitely one of those games you should check out, and I, I'm glad it's on Switch. But, Wes, we're going to take our final break of the show, and when we get back, we're going to be talking about a news item that we discussed earlier in the show and kind of the fallout of it and kind of looking back at the legacy of Charles Martinet. We will be right back. We kicked off with some bittersweet news, which we covered in the first segment of the show. Charles Martinet, who has voiced Mario and his friends for nearly 30 years, and as you'll find out, more than 30 years, is retiring from the role. As such, we're going to skip this week's definitive ranking at eShop Gem of the Week in favor of doing a brief look back at the man's career. Wes, before we begin, what was the first game you played where you heard Charles Martinet's portrayal of Mario? Gosh, um, probably. Hmm. What came first, Brawl or um, Galaxy? Ooh, oh man, putting me whichever on the spot one of, here. <laughs> whichever one of those came first, probably I think they Brawl. Might, yeah, um, that was the first I can remember. I'm sure I heard it like elsewhere, but I didn't have a, a Nintendo 64 or a GameCube, so I might have heard it like heard him and. 64 or one of the uh, GameCube games like at a friend's house, but coming out of my own TV, yeah, it was one of those uh, Wii games. So Galaxy preceded Brawl by about a year. Okay, so yeah, Galaxy then. So I, it, for me, it was definitely Mario 64, just that iconic, It's me, Mario! As soon as you turn it on, I was like, oh my god, like Mario's talking? This is insanity. Yeah. So... I, you know, the man has been Mario. He's the only voice that we've known for Mario in the games, at least for decades. And to have him stepping away, we talked about it in the first segment. He is just a, a monumental change that we're going to have to really come to terms with. Um, and uh, so I wanted to kind of just kind of celebrate his run that he had here as Mario, because, you know, it's unprecedented in the games industry. And I just want to kind of look back at you know, how he got into the industry and, you know, his, his kind of his path forward and his career. So 
just looking back, uh, Charles Martinet, he went to college at the University of California, Berkeley, and he was studying international law, which is very oh, funny. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like he kind of hated it. And uh, he, he was kind of he had like a fear of public speaking. So a friend actually suggested that he take an acting class to overcome his fear of speaking in public. And he actually loved it so much. He earned an apprenticeship at the Berkeley Repertory Theater. Whoa. And then he he moved to London and attended the drama studio London, where he discovered that he had a talent for accents and dialects and then became a founding member after he moved back to California at the San Jose Repertory Theater. And he famously earned the role of Mario when a friend just told him about this audition. And he said, it's a role that requires you to talk like a plumber. So he showed up so late to this audition because he found out about it last minute and they were already cleaning up and he like begged them to let him read for it. And the only guidance they gave him is you're an Italian plumber from Brooklyn. And Martinet was like, all right, well, let me do a raspy voice. And I, I would imagine it's probably similar to what we got in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, that cartoon. Um, but he actually thought that might be too harsh for a children's character because he also knew that was the, uh, one of the, the other parts of the character that he needed to play into. So he went the opposite direction. And he went like the high pitched, like almost like delightful. Uh, it sounds like kind of like a Mickey Mouse type character, right? And yeah. Oddly enough, he said that Gremio from Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew was his inspiration for the, the Mario character. I don't I don't necessarily know what that means, but I'm sure it, it means something as a guy who is very much a theater guy. Um, and he basically rambled in that voice until the tape ran out. And I've heard him retell this story about how he just basically thought of all the <laughs> basically stereotypical Italian stuff, like talking about a, how, how do you make a pasta and how do you do this and... Uh, and, and they offered him the job and he started in 1991 voicing Mario at trade shows. People would walk up to a screen and there'd be a camera on the screen that they couldn't see and he would be able to interact with them. I'm sure you've seen this, this trick at like amusement parks and stuff like they have it at Universal Studios. If you go there, you can talk to Optimus Prime and there'll be somebody like far off doing the Optimus Prime voice and they'll be like responding to you and like commenting on like, oh, I like your shirt. You know, and so basically he was doing that trick and he was voicing Mario at these trade shows and people would walk up screen. There'd be a screen with Mario's head and he would stand away from the action and talk to them in Mario's voice. And then his first mainstream appearance was probably Mario 64, but his first appearance as Mario in a video game was actually two years earlier in the CD version of Mario Teaches Typing in 1994. And he didn't seem like he thought that the voice acting would ever translate into the mainline games, but Shigeru Miyamoto actually became aware of Martinet, his portrayal of Mario and all these different kind of like side projects and approached him and asked him to voice Mario in super Mario 64. So that's, he said that that was basically a huge shock that came to him when that happened. Yeah, um, that's, that is, I can't imagine. Uh, but I guess at that point, maybe Miyamoto wasn't like the same type of figure he is now. Although, I mean, he was still know. the guy still behind a, Mario yeah, and Zelda. He's, yeah, he's still like a big deal. Um, I wonder if he, if Martinet knew like how big of a deal. I'm sure he did. Like he's like this is the creator of the character, essentially. You know, like yeah, he had to think like oh, I've been playing this guy for at that point probably four or five years in like these kind of like trade show settings and like you know kind of like Mario teaches typing like nothing that's going to be like tearing up the sales charts, but then you know, this happens and his entire world has changed. 
So in the recording of that, Martinet was not given a formal script and he actually, a lot of the voice lines that we know from him uh, were improvisation. And wow. they were based on kind of vague guidance from the Japanese development team, just being like, all right, we need you to have like this happen. We need you to have this happen. When like, what what does Mario say when he gets hurt? Or what does he do when he catches on fire? Yeah. There's never any like, okay, when you get hit by a fireball and your butt catches on fire, you have to make this ha 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 that that type of thing. Like we don't. <laughs> that, was, we, that was really good. <laughs> that was a uh, trust me. I do a decent Mario impression. That was not. That was not it. Um, so it's just kind of this vague guidance. And like one of the one of the stories that I was reading about was that when like he was like just in the voice booth and he was thinking like, all right, what else could I record for this team? And he was thinking like, what happens if like the player just like leaves on the the controller that the tv and walks away and like doesn't touch the controller for a while and he's like oh well you know mario probably get bored and go to sleep and you know what what does mario sleeping sound like and he's like well he's italian so probably dreaming about pasta (laughs) (laughs) which is very funny so like if you if you listen like he'll be like sleeping and he'll be just kind of like spaghetti (laughs) (laughs) i i'm married to a italian woman and uh, i can confirm that she does dream of pasta in her sleep so that checks out that mark i mean who doesn't let's be honest like it's not just true who doesn't about pasta (laughs) true so i mean charles martinet went on to voice mario obviously but then luigi wario waluigi metal mario shadow mario mini mario toys baby mario baby luigi baby wario and then also the Super Mario Advance versions of Wart, Mouser, Triclide, and Claw Grip. And he currently holds the Guinness World Record for having performed Mario for more than 100 games. It's the most uh, appearances of the same voice actor voicing the same character is the, Dang, I wonder, the Guinness World Record. There's, I can't imagine anybody's even close to that. Oh, no, not at all. So, you know, this the news is specific to Nintendo. So we don't know if his I'm assuming his voice acting career is going to continue elsewhere, because in addition to these Nintendo characters, he's also voiced characters in Super Punch-Out, various Star Wars games, Jet Set Radio Future, Hellboy. Dragon Ball stuff. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank. He was Magenta and Dragon Ball Super uh, Superhero. He narrated the Netflix gaming documentary High Score. If you watch that, that was him narrating it. Um, and then he famously did not voice Mario or Luigi in Super Mario Brothers movie, but he did voice the father of them, which I think was very fitting. I loved that. Yeah, that was like the, the way they did it. And also Giuseppe, who was the guy who was playing the Donkey Kong cabinet in the very early scene in like the pizza parlor. Yeah. You may have noticed the woohoo that he did over. Well, when, that was like, pretty he, good. Okay. He jumped nice. Up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, Basically, Nintendo says now he'll be a Mario ambassador, so that means he'll seemingly continue to get paychecks from Nintendo, even though it's, I don't know if they're forcing him out or he's just like, it's time. But, uh, you know, we have new actors coming in. It, you confirmed it that it is not uh, Charles Martinet in Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yes. Which it seems like they are kind of continuing in the same direction. I Originally, when I heard this news, I thought they were like going to use the opportunity to kind of take it maybe more in like a Chris Pratty type of direction with the character so that he would talk more complete sentences, but maybe we'll eventually get there. But what do you think the future of Mario voice acting is um, in the games? Well, it's, you alluded to it, but wonder is like, 
it, I, I didn't realize this. So I was writing this story up yesterday and then today when I got confirmation from Nintendo that he's not Mario in Super Mario Bros. Wonder. I didn't realize that when Wonder got announced, people were already kind of keying into the idea that it might not be Martin A. Like, there were people who were like, this is a different voice actor. This doesn't sound like Mario. But to me, it does sound like Mario. And now that I know it's someone different, it is a little different. But it sounds like they're trying to replicate Martin A. So I'm not sure... Uh, yesterday we had talked about maybe they're going to try to do more with Mario's voice acting, like give him full sentences and, you know, kind of flesh him out more as a character. So maybe they want like a voice more fitting for that. Although I think Martin, a would do fine at that. Um, but I don't know. This just kind of seems like, I, I think it's more of a passing of the torch now. Like Martin is older. Maybe he wants to retire or, you know, take a break from Mario. And so they're just kind of finding who is going to be the next voice of Mario and kind of just continue the legacy that Martin A started. I'm not, I'm not convinced that it, we're in for a drastic change so much as this is just, we've got Martin A, he's like still alive and, and doing great things. Like let's have him be our ambassador to kind of, you know, welcome in a new person to be Mario for the next 30, 40 years or whatever. And I, I've had, a, I've been lucky enough to meet Charles Martin A at an E3 one year. And I was just like, I was actually walking to a Nintendo appointment that I had and he was like coming out of the Nintendo appointment and or like out of the Nintendo booth and I was like oh my god it's Charles Martinet I gotta say hi to him and I talked to him and he was the sweetest man ever just a delight though I've, I've described Shigeru Miyamoto in the two times I've met him he's the exact kind of person that you like you hope was the guy who created Mario, right? Like he's just like a joyful man. Yeah. He's he's always like super smiley. He's always very friendly. And it's like, yeah, this is the guy that should create Mario. Charles Martinet is the guy that should voice Mario, right? Like he just has a, an amazing personality. He's so friendly. He's so upbeat. He, you can tell he lives and breathes it. Like he just goes in and out of character seamlessly. Like you'll be talking to him and he'll just like, kind of go into Mario or like he'll like start doing the Luigi voice. I uh, I got him to sign something. And while he's signing it, you know, he has like a, a piece of paper with Mario and Luigi and Wario and Waluigi. He's signing by all the characters and he's doing the different voices. And it's like, oh, oh my that's God, so this, awesome. He's such a delight. And, um, you know, he's he's just he leans into it so well. He is going to be, you know, if he's not going to be the voice of Mario, he's going to be a great ambassador for the character. And you can, you can tell he just purely loves playing the character of Mario and all of all the characters that he plays. Um, he, he just loves it. He he's, he's done such a fantastic job. So I guess before we wrap up here, how do you look back at Charles Martinet's legacy as Mario? I mean, it's, <clears throat> I don't know if there is a bigger legacy in video games. Um, and I don't know if there ever will be like, this isn't just like a character. It is the most popular video game character of all time. Arguably the most popular mascot in the world. Only competitions like maybe Pikachu, Hello Kitty and like Mickey Mouse. But yeah. like Mario is recognizable around the world. And this guy is the voice of him and has been for consistently and extremely well for uh what uh 30 years at least or 25 ish um yeah i don't i don't it's it's just fantastic and he seems like such a genuine dude and i'm i'm most excited now to see like what his role is because it's a brand new role nintendo says mario ambassador like is it just him going around and like signing and being at conventions and talking or is it what i was alluding to earlier which is like he's going to be kind of mentoring a new person to take on this role and like what does that look like and publicly for us um but yeah i mean it's 
it's an unmatched legacy. There's, I don't think anybody will ever, will ever top what he has done with the character. I mean, they said to, um, you know, they have that Nintendo Live event coming up next weekend. I wonder if yes, yeah. he will be there and like that would be kind of his first appearance as like the Mario ambassador. Like, what does it mean? What is different? I, I'm excited to see what his role, like how it's going to be different from what he does. Because I mean, aside you, from when, talking into a voice booth, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he, at showing up at, a, at conventions and stuff, I imagine he's going to be the exact same. Maybe a little yeah. cagier with what he says. Like, like I wonder if he's not going to be able to do like voice. Like if someone wants to record him saying something particular with the the character. Like I wonder if he's still allowed to do that now that he's a Mario ambassador, rather yeah. than just like the guy that voices him. Um, so yeah, I'm most excited to see what this is going forward. Uh, and I want to see what that video is but that uh, him and uh, Miyamoto are putting out. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be just such a touching thing. Maybe we're recording this segment a little bit earlier than the rest of the show. So, um, you know, apologies if that has come out already. But, um, you know, regardless of what happens next for Charles Martinet or even Mario for that, for that matter, I, I think it's safe to say that like those two together were just a massive part of my childhood and really just pretty much every person who plays games today, like part of their childhood as well. The voice is just so iconic. Like everybody has done a Mario or a Wario or some sort of Charles Martinet impression over their life. And we're just lucky to have had him for so many years. And it's sad obviously, but like, I hope, you know, everybody can join us in congratulating Charles Martinet on a absolutely unmatched run that will probably never be replicated as long as the games industry exists. Like it's just such an unbelievable tenure that he has had as this character and several of his friends. And it's, it's going to be weird hearing a different voice coming out of Mario, just as it was at first, like for hearing Chris Pratt come out of Mario. But eventually I think that we will adjust and it will not be as weird, but you know, I, he did an amazing job and I, you know, in, in having Sarah Natocheni, for example, uh, the voice of Ash Ketchum on the show earlier this year, yeah. talking to her about, you know, she did it for 17 years and she's like, what voice acting role has that kind of job security? And it's like, I was the only one I could think of off the top of my head was the Simpsons. And now I'm like, no, yeah. Mario, Mario had that kind of uh, job security and good on Charles Martinet for having it for as long as he did and doing such an amazing job. And, uh, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. I, I hope he's happy. Same. I hope he's, hope he's satisfied with the, the work that he did. I know that the outpouring of social media love this week has reached him. And I, I sincerely hope that he has sat back and been like, wow, they really do appreciate the work that I did because we do. So I agree. That, He's, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, what, what more can you say? He's the voice of freaking Mario. <laughs> yeah. Wes, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. We've covered so many topics and I appreciate you sticking around for it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor. If you haven't already throw all things, Nintendo, a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in, you can hit me up at all things, Nintendo at gameinformer.com. Or reach me on Twitter, Instagram, or Blue Sky, and also threads. I don't know. Just any any social media platform that I'm on, it's at Brian Pichet. You can also join the Game Informer Community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel even just for one month. 
just insider tip there, that is the number one way to get any questions that you have featured in upcoming issues of Game Informer Magazine. We do a replies section where people can ask us questions or go on rants, and we will put that on there and respond in print. So that is the number one way. There are other ways, but that's the inside track there is the Game Informer Community Discord. So be sure to join us over there. Wes, tell people where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at LeBlancWest. You can find me on Instagram at Wesley LeBlanc, I think, or maybe I am Wesley. I don't remember. I, I don't really use Instagram too much. <laughs> and I'm on Threads and Blue Skies, Wesley LeBlanc as well. Um, I haven't really been using those, but they're there. Um, you can find all my work on GameInformer.com. You can sometimes hear my voice on podcasts or on the Game Informer YouTube channel. That is our show for this week. Thank you again for listening. Take care. We will see you next time.